Hi guys, welcome back to Wildest Kruger Stories. I'm Craig. And I'm Carolina. And today we have yet another special guest with us. Yes, we're just rolling in the guests now lately. We've had so many people on, which is great, because that's what we really enjoy. And I think from what we're seeing, it seems like that's the, the episodes that you guys enjoy the most is when we have guests on. And today, we don't have just me, one Carolina. We actually have two Carolinas with us today, because we have Carolina Lasse here with us too, uh, who I've gotten to know from Instagram mostly, and that's how we became friends, which is kind of crazy. But the yeah. Instagram sensation. <laughs> yes. Hi, Carolina. Welcome. Hi. Are you excited to be on the podcast? Very excited. Thank you for having me. We've been talking about this for so long to have mm. you on because I think you're a very interesting person that we definitely, we're going to dive into that more. And like, we, I feel like we have so much to talk about with, uh, about you and like your, uh, what you do in South Africa and Instagram as well uh, and your social media in general. And uh, yeah, and being a female guide in the industry as well. We're going we're gonna to talk about that. But let's start with where it all began for you. Um, why don't you tell the listeners where you're from and how you actually got to the beautiful country that is South Africa. Mm, so I'm originally from Germany, from Berlin, from a city. Okay. Um, how it all started for me, it started very early, honestly, when I was like seven years old, I already started saving up for Africa, I was always Africa. I wanted to work Did you come on vacation to, to Africa before you actually came to you kind know, of study and do your studies here? That's kind of the funny thing. I've never been. You had never been My to family Africa. to this day actually have never touched African what? ground. They've never been. I've never been. Wow. And I even say that, you know, I've never been on safari as a guest wow. to this day. Because I've never been to South Africa before, before I came here for the first time to start my guide training, you know. Uh, I've traveled so the first a time bit. you came, you dive, dove you right into guide. I just did, but that's a funny thing. You just kind of, you, you just, just kind of. I just what? knew. I just knew this is what I wanted to do. See, that's even new information for me. No, yeah. yeah. So again, I like. I was always like Africa for me, and I started saving because you know when I when when I was like ten years old, I googled how you can start working in Africa, <laughs> and it was like always those volunteering jobs you know yeah. so that was super expensive so i just started saving up for all of that and when wow. i was 17 i traveled a little bit in togo uh, in west okay, africa yes, yes, yes. so i traveled up and down the country i was there twice um so this is kind of where i knew okay I, i've got something here this is what i want to do this is mm. where i want to live and um but then i i learned about the the guy training in south africa and it just clicked it just clicked for me and I just knew this is what I want to do. That's amazing. So I touched ground in South Africa and started guide training straight away. That's awesome. <laughs> and then now you've been here ever since. Yeah, exactly. You so just you... never left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because we, we were talking about it a little bit earlier, actually, before we started the podcast, how on social media we do get the question of like, you know, did you just move one day and like, how come you just moved? And for me, it's a bit of a different story because I came on vacation and then I just loved it. It was I... a little bit more gradual. Exactly. Yeah. I kept on kept coming back as much as I could and I tried to kept on being here, you know, for as long as I could. And then all of a sudden I was like, OK, well, now I'm actually living here and I got a visa and everything and was able to to officially move. Um, but it was never like one of those things that just happened overnight. But that's more the case for it's you. Kind of for me. Yeah. Yes, that's crazy. <laughs> but that's awesome, though. And you're enjoying it so far? Yes, very much. Don't and how long how long uh, when did you do your guide training in South Africa? I did start it in 2020. Okay. Uh, so I did uh, two months, or like almost three months I was here. I traveled a little bit to uh, Botswana as well. Nice. Did my guide training up there. And this is actually where my whole Africa journey got interrupted by COVID. So uh, I was back in Germany for seven okay. months. After you had qualified? 
uh, I was a field guide already. Okay. Yes, but then when I came back and you know maybe the professional guide training has several qualifications. Yes. Mm. So you do the trails guide, the advanced rifle handling, mm. and many mm. other qualifications. Oh, so you did the you did uh, you did Level the one you did the guide. professional yes. field guide course, not the fifty-five day course. Yeah, exactly. Okay, no, okay. Professional one. So I did the forty-five day um, field guide course. I finished that one. I was on holiday back in Germany, and then they just didn't let me in. So I closed the borders. And yes, I couldn't, of course. Couldn't travel back. So you you hadn't at that point you hadn't got your track and sign. Your exactly. navigation orientation, yes. your because you also went through eco training, am I right? Exactly, yes. Fantastic. So yeah. did I, but mine many years ago. <laughs> so I think that orientation thing is not a thing anymore. Oh, it's not you a thing anymore. anymore. Okay, okay. I see. Only, only the old, the old people have that. Because that's, that's you know. old. <laughs> you know, you're getting old when uh, they cancel qualifications that you did for the youth. Uh, but anyway, okay. And then um, when did you actually get back and back into the swing of things and came and did your trails guide and when? Uh, what what stage was that? What year? That was still in 2020, but in October. That's okay. exactly when they opened All the borders. Right. Mm. So I think also like a week or... Yeah, it was a week they opened the borders and I was back in and Fantastic. immediately like jumped back into it it was a bit more difficult back then because I did feel like I already have a qualica- qualification should know all of this but I came back and in seven months you can forget a lot you know yeah. so this is yeah. kind of where I was like okay at least I can identify now an Impala and a Kudu <laughs> to like know the tracks because I, I jumped back into the track uh, tra- track and trailing mm. course mm. and this is kind of and that was quite of a good thing I think for me that I stopped because when I in my first course we were like 20 people and was uh, mainly foreigners you know when I came back we were seven people and was only South Africans one Namibian and me yeah the uh, the, okay. the 55 day course it is still a 55 day course I haven't outgrown yeah, I that so. number yeah, right really <laughs> sorry just they changed a lot <laughs> they changed a lot yeah um, but the 55 day course I found when I was studying was mainly the gap year students yes you know they came over wanted to do something fun in Africa spend as much time and spend as little as possible uh, instead of going to lodges for like 55 yeah. days they did a course and they actually walked out with a qualification but I don't know if they, you found the same with your course the 55 day students were more gap year students yeah no I definitely can confirm that the the one year course uh, was still were still foreigners because okay. I think especially more young people because they can actually afford to be away from their home for a year yeah, you know I okay. think the, the uh, 55 day course is more of a you know even older people uh, like older you know but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah for sure it doesn't really matter the age because for like for a month you can always leave but mm. for a year it's a whole different thing yeah, and as yeah. you said like you have a half a year of internship as well so like have that time have the money as well and mm. then like do an internship at a lodge where you potentially are going to be a barkeeper or yeah, yeah, you don't yeah, know yeah. what you're going to be at that's that, that to, well, what the, they call it the, the lodge placement yes uh, the lodge six placement. Months lodge, exactly. lodge it's like placement. an internship and you they, they specifically say you can be a guide you can be a tracker you can be a barkeeper you can be front of house it doesn't like they will see where they will need you and then will place you no, which I do you think is a good thing though because I think it's great to like just for me, when I first, you know, when I did my guiding course and then I, I got a, you know, a job at a lodge as a front of house uh, quite shortly afterwards and I was like, wow, I had no idea what happens behind the scenes at a lodge. Like, I, you, it's such a foreign, I guess, um, industry and environment that is so difficult to picture if you haven't been to a lodge before, if you haven't, if you don't have any experience. So I think it's a good thing that, you know, you can be anything, you're just an intern, there's no pressure, like obviously you want to do a good job, but most of the time as an intern, doing a good job is literally just listening to the people who are telling you what to do and doing the best you can and like working hard and people are going to love you and just, you know, do that as best as you can and then those, that will open up opportunities kind of thing, but it also just teaches you 
like what happens at a lodge what goes on at a lodge because it's so it's such a different environment that mm-hmm. not a lot of people actually know about i think it's very important um for for those like placements like you said doing all sorts of sorts of different things because i think i remember most lodges i started working at the high profile lodges they're right you'd be employed as a guide um and um they'd be like but hang on one second for the first six weeks are you working here you're going to do lodge orientation mm-hmm. so i wasn't allowed to guide i wasn't allowed to get on a vehicle which at, at, in a young in my younger years i was like younger years listen to me the old man the old man <laughs> um in when i was in my early 20s let's say i'm only in my late 20s just so everyone knows i'm not that almost old. 30 yeah <laughs> um but uh, i found it quite frustrating because i was like i'm a guide but then as I matured in the industry, it's so important that that six-week orientation actually happens. So you spend one week in the kitchen, one week in maintenance, one week in um, uh, housekeeping, so on and so forth. Because they feel it's important for everyone in the team to actually understand how this entire system runs. Because it's one well-oiled machine and it needs to be one well-oiled machine as you would know um, well both of you guys would know we all know and we've, be- spo- we've spoken about it before but it's you know it's the importance of every single person and their and uh, their job for the lodge and their position is just as important as, as the next one exactly and they must respect each other's position mm. um, and that's why I think that is so important and I think for lodge places like Carolina you rightfully said um, is it's going to be confusing as to which Carolina I'm pointing out through this podcast, <laughs> isn't it? But um, as Carolina from Germany said, um, these lodge placements you usually a bar, a, a barman, or some uh, some some form of student just helping out assistant maintenance, whatever guy, and then you go on the occasional drive if there is space. Am I correct? Yes, that's true. But like either way, what you're working, you are going to understand, as you said, like how the lodge works. And I I do know a lot of people that started working in different positions and then actually feeling like they gravitate more towards one department. So uh, some, some, People were more like, okay, guiding is 100% my thing. And if, if it was a small lodge, they even got um, promoted to head guide straight away. Mm. So, you know, and uh, some were saying, okay, actually, front of house works better for me. And then, you know, so I think it's truly either way, which whichever department you're working for, at the end of the day, you will know how a lodge works and you will know where you belong and what you want. But I understand as well, it can be quite frustrating, especially in the beginning when you say, yeah. you know, I'm a guide now. When I'm you that, you know, that driven and then person, they And then right? they tell you the whole time you must shadow guide or you must, you know, do laundry the whole time so i think especially in the beginning the title guide is so much more important to you you're so proud of that you work so hard for it and Mm. you want to be a guide but and you you know know, i think it's it's just really important for for younger guides that are listening to this is just patience is key you know just be patient because these shadowing experiences that we're talking about are just as important to to as your guiding will be in the six or eight weeks. So we'll give you a good wait. base. Yeah, 100%. You will definitely 100%. learn a lot because this is also how now, uh, how guides learn, is to learn from others. And you, you also know. learn the importance of other positions. So yes. you you learn how to respect that other person's position. You can't, for example, stupid example, you can't just realize, oh, it's quiet out on game drive, I'm going to go home an hour early because you know now, oh, housekeeping is not going to be, be ready with the room. Mm, um, yes. The reception is not going to have everything. They haven't ticked over the um, the what do you call night it orders. night order. That's the <laughs> one, and um, and and you you only realise that once you actually have experienced every single position. In That's the true. 
But enough about the launch positions. Uh, we do want to talk about a little bit about social media. Uh, that's where we became friends, which yes. is awesome. <laughs> uh, and like I've I've spoken about it on on my social media before. That you know, as much as we all complain about social media taking over the world and people are angry about Instagram right now and the algorithm and that whole thing, but that's a completely different story. And I could go on a rant for people that. People that are failing and jealous. That's that's <laughs> what people are. Well, yeah. But anyway, uh, I do think something that I try to focus a lot about with social media is the contacts that you make and the inspiration that you get and the people that you meet and uh, the friendships that you gain uh, which is how we became friends and I think we also we were like you have the same name as me we need to be <laughs> friends um, but I think that's great and what really caught my eye before we actually got to know each other but with your Instagram and I, I think I messaged you and I said this to you because I, I'm very much the person who's like if someone inspires me or they do something on social media that I'm like, this is super cool. Can I just, like, before you continue, just yeah. actually inform the listeners when you guys actually went in, went into contact. Because I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> because you guys were both very talented. And um, Carolina, Germany, Germany, no, Germany, Carolina, she was very unique in the, um, the, the content that she put out there. But you guys also had, I think... You had like 2,000 fo followers each yeah, and you guys suddenly it connected. Started. It was just, it was quite a unique situation. It was but sorry, just, go Exactly, on. it was just in the beginning, I think, for both of us if, with our social media journey. And like, I saw your, like, your TikToks and Instagram reels and I was like, this is so funny. Can I just say though, you were the reason why I started. No. No. Really? I, yeah. No, so I started following it. you, I saw your pictures and uh, then you were to uh, talking about how Instagram is changing now and you must start with the reels and the time is now to do it. And I was sitting there and thinking, I have all of this funny content that I get from guests. I need to start. So oh you, because word. you said, you said reels now. I was like, okay, it's now or never. And then no I started. Way. Oh, so that's that's incredible. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Cause I saw your stuff and I was like, this is so funny. Like this is so brilliant. Yeah, and I, I, say, I messaged you and I was like, you're doing such an awesome job, like keep it up because I love this, like this is awesome. Yeah, and yeah, and then from then we like started chatting and then we realized we had so much in common. Like, they were, like we yeah. had so many different things. It wasn't just our names. It was like, That's oh, hilarious. we both did horse riding when we were yeah, younger. We and had, like, like 20 minute voice notes. Yes. Like, I remember actually, I remember it was, it was um, in, I think it was still during COVID, but after the lockdowns. And I remember... I remember seeing on and your Craig phone, was like, and I was like, so oh, what do you guys talk about for 30 minutes? <laughs> and like, Craig was like, you've never met this chick. Like what, like, what are you talking about? This is so weird. But it was just awesome because I think we found someone who like had very similar experiences, you know, coming from a different country, coming to South Africa, yeah. working in the lodge industry. We have, and then also like the passion for social media, wildlife. And then we also had like, oh, we did horse riding when we were younger. Like that whole thing as well that we just connected on, on so many things. But... I I found actually both of you guys from an outsider's perspective that has been here through the entire situation, um, <laughs> is you guys actually became quite a nice, well, I know from Carolina's side, uh, quite a nice support system yeah. because you guys on social media, even though very different content creators, so to speak, you, you guys have very similar interaction levels. Um, your interaction levels are very high, um, on, on Instagram and TikTok from what I hear. I'm not the biggest one into TikTok. I'm all You're about the gram. Old. I'm too old. Uh, I'm all about the gram. But I think you guys found it found quite a good support system in each other when you could basically share ideas and when one needed support 
the other one was there to assist. Absolutely. Am I yeah, and we yeah. were like, we were, you know, sharing ideas, and we still do. Like, share yeah. ideas and being like, okay, you know, this was a problem that I encountered. Like, what do you think? Or this and that. And like, we were doing that. But also from, I think, when I was still, when we were still working at the lodge, mm. we would talk about the lodge, and I think we still do a bit. Like, oh, this is, you know, an issue that I have in, in the work environment. Or like, what do you, how do you feel about this or that? And like, I think also like cultural things, you know, coming from a different country, starting to work in South Africa, you encounter a lot of cultural uh, differences and things you have to deal with in the work environment. But um, enough about how we became friends and, <laughs> and so on. But I'm thinking, uh, what do we want to talk about is your Instagram. And I think I just want to explain to the listeners kind of like what you do on Instagram. Do you want to explain Maybe yourself? Maybe Carolina can explain. Yeah, exactly. Yes. No, so it all started uh, with me starting to guide. And I mean, especially when you're starting off, you you see everything from an outside perspective, right? So I feel felt like there's so many funny things that guests were saying that is just like coming from a place of not knowing better and, you know, working in the industry you take things for granted mm. so you just sometimes like how can you how can you think that uh, also misconceptions you know myths about South Africa and then I did a bit more about the about the South African culture mm. so uh, this is actually how I went viral in the first place like I made you know funny comedies again from an outsider perspective about South Africans and mm. um, this is where it all started but I, I did reach a point with that where I felt like you know okay I'm I'm just at a point who am I you know as a, as a German now being in South Africa making fun at the end of the you yeah. know I think South Africans are a culture that can or like um, you know a country or people that can laugh about themselves quite a lot yeah. so I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. was always appreciated but again I did reach a bit more of that point where I was like okay who am I to actually make fun of South Africans now mm. so I decided to take more a bit of a turn towards um, educating about nature making you know making funny because I've, I've encountered so many funny situations where I felt like and again, what you were also saying is that nobody actually has done it. Mm. I think it's yeah. such an interesting field. So, so people people go on safaris, a lot of people go on safaris and um, see that perspective, but they have no idea what's happening behind the scenes. How does it feel like for the guide? It's just also, which questions do you ask all the time, over and over again? So I think it's interesting from people from the outside to say, okay, how do you perceive all of this? But then again, for people that work in the industry, mm. they have nobody that inspires them that they say like oh that's me that happens to me on a daily basis honestly <laughs> the amount of times i open i open one of your reels or you, you come up in my feed and the amount of times i actually and i'm not a guy that laughs out loud often but when it pops up i literally like find myself i'll be sitting at like a restaurant and i have to like cover my mouth and be like because it is it is especially from a guiding point of view um it is it is downright hilarious because I think as guides and people that have been in the lodge industry, we've all been there. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, I love it. Like, because you do these little funny, I would call them like skits or, or sketches, skit. yeah, you know, yeah. um, which is just brilliant. And even me, who, who's not a guide, but working in the lodge industry, like I can relate so much. And exactly like you say, it is something that no one has done before. And, and that's what I find uh, where we have a, I guess, a unique angle coming as internationals to South Africa because I, I find uh, in general talking to South Africans who work in the lodge industry and so on they don't really get what a gold mine for content that is you know it's such a different lifestyle it's something so unique it is you know being a guide is such a unique job and that is something that people are very interested in hearing about seeing what's going on knowing about the behind the scenes and all of those kind of things uh, and that's where you really you know 
kind of dug into that and we've been like, okay, let me do this because nobody, no one else is doing it. And I think that's also why we started this podcast. We wanted to, to share the behind the scenes stories and talk about these kind of things because we realized that people from outside of South Africa absolutely loves hearing this stuff because it is so different from anything they have ever known. And yeah, that's why you've done such an incredible job with your like funny skits and, and you know, uh, joking about it. It's, and it's so just, creative. It's, it really is. No, it's awesome. Like, honestly, like some of the stuff I go, how did you think of that? How? It, it seems so simple once I've seen it, but you go, I would never. No, it happened that. to me like twenty minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But we have mentioned, or well, I mentioned briefly, the negative side of social media. I think both of us have definitely experienced our fair share of, of some sorry trolling. Trolling. We mentioned oh, yeah. it about a while ago, and and so on, mm. and and. You know, as as you said as well, coming as a German in South Africa, do you sometimes get people who are not so positive about your content and like feeling like what are, what are you doing? Like how and how do you deal with that? So I think the feedback that I get on my direct Instagram is overly like positive. I I, I, I don't want to complain about anything. It's usually when I uh, collaborate with uh, other uh, brands or like I give interviews or something, and mm. it's gonna it's put on a more on a bigger platform, which is less specific for me. Mm. Like just like out there in the world, this and is when I receive. Audience. Yes, mm. so it's a it's a you know, and I I do understand it to a certain degree, but there is a certain. Um, you are German, why are you doing a South African's job, you know, and also like, you know, the whole cultural thing and like, why are you doing this now? Um, This is usually where I receive negative feedback, but this is, I struggled with that in the beginning, especially Mm. when you start, you just mean it in the most positive way, right? You just want to put knowledge out there, you just want to entertain. Mm. You didn't actually think that people would think of it negatively, that they would think, you know, you're taking somebody else's job or anything. I think it's, I think it's across the board, hey, I think like social media is like that. Um, And, you know, it's, I think, no one ever thinks they're going to get negative feedback on yeah because you just things. mean well so you yeah, don't even exactly. think of it so this is definitely what happened it's to me yeah. and i just didn't think that somebody would think of me this way and i mean obviously they don't know me and it's just so easy to put it out there and to just say you're doing this and it's like no but um how i dealt with it in the end is to just know for myself i mean well yeah i want to support south africans i want to support south africa i want to educate and i want to mm. help on every corner and if i should ever i'm going to be honest to myself and if i feel like i made a mistake i'm going to stand up to it and say you are right mm. you are right i'm going to change this now so just for me um having this principle and knowing that i mean well and i will try better every day it's just kind of what you know so helped inc- me to just deal with it's it. incredibly good mindset to have and i commend you for that mindset because it is quite difficult um for people to overcome you know those kind of um forms of uh, of, of kind of let's call it hate mm. you know yeah um, that Which come through social media. It is. It is. It's. It's. Um, it, it's. We spoke about it. It's the social media trolls, and it's really. It's really not necessary. But if you can sit back in your armchair at night and actually go, right, I mean well, and then that's all. No, it's it's interesting because again, I can relate so much to this because it's the very very similar thing for me. Yeah, I absolutely fell in love with this country. I love the wildlife and I love the nature, the culture, the people, and I wanted to and I want to share that on social media. That's where the whole thing started from. So exactly like you say. Yeah, for me, it was also like, I just want to share about the beauty of this country because I feel like not enough people overseas know about it. Just from my personal experience talking to friends and family, you know, people don't know what it's like and, you know, what happens and 
the nature like how incredible it is so that's where I was like I feel like I'm you know just educating and I'm doing my part of like as a foreigner in South Africa trying to share it to a wider audience you know trying to promote South Africa in that way but I also exactly like you say most of the time it's when something goes viral and it reaches audience beyond the people who follow me already because I feel like the people who do follow me they know who I am and they support me and they you know all that but when it reaches a wider audience when something goes viral or often on TikTok where it reaches you know beyond the people that you follow that's when you can start getting negative comments and the crazy thing is sometimes you get negative comments from people you get it from such different sides I get comments from people being like thank you so much for showing the beauty of our country like this makes me so happy that you appreciate our country and you know those kind of comments and then you also get people who are like no you're not showing like the whole reality and you you know you are giving a false impression or whatever it might be or like you don't have the right to to share this or whatever it is and and it's such a weird combination um it's exactly like you say it's all about just knowing at the end of the day that you're doing it from a from a good place you're not you're not trying to exploit exploit anything you're literally trying to show a positive side of a country that you love exactly so Carolina, obviously, Carolinas <laughs> will address you as um, the The industry is an incredibly male-dominated industry as a whole. Let's talk about the guiding industry first. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about the, uh, the lodge industry as we go along um, in this, and we'll involve um, Carolina, Swedish Carolina, um, in in this but i want to talk to carolina lassa i'm getting all confused here about being a female guide in the industry where it is a male-dominated industry and it is quite a masculine industry and i can imagine how difficult i've actually thought about it when i was in the industry and how difficult it is for a woman to break in and how much respect i have for the women that have broken into this industry because of how tough it is and again only something i learned in the later years of my career because i was just like oh well when you're young you're like oh whatever you know but you don't you go through a lot more kind of criticism in my opinion than the guys do getting into those guiding positions so i would like to hear how you felt and how your career developed around that all right so it is in the when you start off it's quite intimidating because you do see there are only men doing it mm. so you're also quite uh, well i questioned myself if there is truly something that only men can do is there a reason why there are only men there and i think i think i can say generally but also me specifically i'm a quite a reflective yeah. person so i always like if somebody tells me you did this wrong i'm not i'm not saying like no 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 this is i did it right you you are now projecting something onto me i always say okay did I do it wrong? Mm. Which obviously when you start off is the right thing to do because you make mistakes. But as you go, I think there's usually a, it's always to say, you know, the woman did it wrong, if I can say that. Mm-hmm. You know, so so it is, especially now that I'm further in my career, sometimes difficult for me to stand up and to say, no, I did this right. You're yeah. just wanting to, but it's not even a man-woman thing. I think, I think everybody just wants, if there is a mistake, you don't want to say it was me. Do you get what I mean? It's like, it's just so easy to say, oh, this one person is standing out. Oh, uh, yeah, This yeah, one yeah. person is standing out, so let's just say it was... Yes. That it's not even a man-woman thing, it's just a... And you happen to be that person that yes, stands I'm there, out in that situation. Especially because when you're you begin, you know, when it's you also, start It's also because you're quite young as well. Yes. You're not only a woman, you're a young woman Yes, so as this well. is Inexperienced woman. Who's not South African. Foreign yes. woman and someone that has not been... So, no, we get what you're saying because yes. it's not it's not necessarily 
guy girl thing or yeah. male female thing in this specific situation is the fact that you're a young girl who has never been to Africa before studied a guide training and now feels that she's on our level it's that yes. persona no for that sure from and the team itself is that is kind also of what you're getting of, at no 100 yeah. this is also where a lot of understanding that is from my yes. side you know because this is definitely something as i said now that i'm further in my career it's um it's still bothering me that usually people never assume i'm their guide i just had a situation again it's just like you know you're always as a guide you come when the guests come in you go and you greet them and you introduce yourself and you say hi i'm your guide and you're gonna take care of the luggage and i can always see that people never look at me and register i'm their guide because there's so many women around them because all front of house ladies are there oh, yeah. right so everybody so they don't register i'm their guide so then i meet them again you know in, in my lodge we do it as the as the in the lounge mm-hmm. and then um, then i meet them and i say hi welcome again my name is so and um, i'm doing safety briefing with them and I, I say, I'm going to get the rifle, and then I meet you on the vehicle. And as I go into the vehicle, people are still like, oh, you're driving us. And oh then Lord. they, and then they're still like, have you driven this before? What? And, you know, being someone that I already done by now doing it for years, it's a bit of a, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I'm doing this. <laughs> See, that I, that's mind-blowing. And I'm sorry that you have to deal with that, you know. Because uh, that is kind of the... I think people have that expectation that a guide is, you know, in dealing, dealing with a rifle, driving a big vehicle, you know, g- dealing with dangerous animals. Like, that whole thing is like, oh, that's a man's job. And it's, people have yeah. that perspective. And because exactly like you say, people kind of expect that if you are in the lodge industry... You're, you're front of house uh, in, in front of house we've mentioned it before but just to catch on briefly again it's basically uh, reception uh, you know greeting guests relation and so on uh, that's what I did when we were in the lodge industry and for me when I because I also did my guide, guide training uh, I just did the level one and when I uh, was very early on in, in the uh, industry and in my career I was told that no you probably shouldn't guide you better fit it as a front of house because you're a pretty girl and that was told to your face I was told hundred percent to my face uh, in a very serious manner where it was like you know you should probably f- pursue that instead because that would probably fit you better and it's still something that I kind of reflect on because then I ended up being front of house and it like end up enjoying it and they feel like it did fit me very well but I was like did I not pursue guiding because I was told that could have maybe had guided but I was told that I'm not fit for it did I miss out on something that I maybe should have you should have pursued you know what I mean and Carolina of course when where you were a manager at this time been in the industry for close to five years and I remember you were hosting the one night and you came back to um I came back from Game Drive the one night, and this, this just shows you. Now, Carolina is a manager. She was a scout when she was young um, uh, in Sweden. Apparently, the only legal one that was allowed to carry a knife. And she was so happy because <laughs> she was a scout and she could carry a knife wow. because of all these laws in Sweden. Uh, okay, that's um, a sidetrack, but it was, <laughs> but just, it was, it was just funny. It was, I, was just, I was joking with Craig and I was bragging about that. I was illegally allowed to wear whatever. Whatever. Like, but going back, like going back to the point. So, you. You obviously were a scout and you, you, you did a lot in the in nature. In, in nature when you were young. And um, it was just funny that I, she came back, she immediately came to me and she said, do you know what so-and-so told me? And I was like, oh, what, what's up? It was like, uh, do you need me to call someone to start the fire for you? And I was like, what? I was like, I'm, I'm confused, I'm lost. And um, said person actually did end up calling a staff member to start the fire for you before the guest drive because you you know the whole the whole system before mm. the guest drive you start that little that little um, 
fire in the boma or the sitting area so it creates a bit of ambience at the lodges and the, it wasn't because they felt you were incompetent at doing it because you were a woman it was it meant no i had i'd been hosting just as many times as you and not once did i ever get asked do i need assistance lighting the fire and you know what it's probably it was probably out of a uh, a kindness trying to be nice it was trying to be nice but i think people must just think a little bit about like you know just like how about word it differently just kind of say you know um I, go ahead go i ahead. actually think it never comes from a ill-minded place for sure no, it never never does especially again in south africa it's just also a bit of a culture thing yes you know so it's never a she's a woman i must put her down now it's yeah. a it's a man so i grew up like this so mm. let me help her with the fire because i don't know this is how my family exactly. has done yes, it exactly. the whole time and also the things that i experienced as a guide it's never to put me down or anything but just like if you encounter it over and over again and maybe in the beginning i even appreciated it and i went back to them and said thank you for helping me out with this mm. but then you know there's a point where i must realize and as you said like just think about it as well it's just like I've, you've done it now twice for me i've done it myself five times mm. you don't need to offer to do it again now for me yeah but, you know this is just the process and this is just where i think people in general are just not aware of it it, there's a, there's a, it's a difference asking to be nice, trying to help out just like you would ask anyone, man or woman, to help out to be nice. And then there's a difference in asking because you think someone can't do it. Uh, you know, and that's where I think it comes from. And that's where, as you say, nobody ever does it to, from, a, from a bad place. The, the, it always comes from a good place just trying to be help, help out. But when you encounter it over and over again where people are like, oh, you can't do this because of this and this that's when it becomes yes. an issue. Like, we had it the other day in Kruger, actually, uh, where Craig was, he was getting something from the store, and we got back from Game Drive, Craig went to the store to get something, and I was like, oh, let me start the fire because we're going to be brying. And these people at the, like, campsite next to us, they were staring like crazy because I was starting the fire and the man wasn't around. And, the, and I, like, it wasn't, and I'm, I'm promise you I'm not making this up, it was literally, like, leaning under the, like, the little fence that was there, looking, like, it was obvious that they were staring and as soon as Craig came back they stopped and I was like were you checking if I was gonna be able to start this fire you, you know what I mean like it was yeah. kind of ridiculous but you know there is also a point and this is this is exactly what makes it difficult for women to start in the industry mm. it's because people don't expect anything of you mm. they don't and in, especially in the beginning you must submit that you don't know anything yeah. so you must play into that expectation of them and say okay I don't know all right show me now you know and this is sometimes and to this day I sometimes struggle with to say because they don't expect me to know it and there's a I'm just at a point where I'm just like I just want to prove everyone wrong yeah I just want to show I can do this I'm a good guide I can do everything that a man can do but this is just where the expectation is so low and if I do not know I have to say okay can you please show me I don't but know that, but that that's a great quality to have I think and it's not only from your side it's it's general have that quality be like I don't know what this is i never ever and we learn it very early on in our guiding and in, in in the guiding game when you're yeah. training if you don't know ask you know never pretend that you know it also and can on. be dangerous absolutely if you're carrying we, a lot of responsibility exactly. there um but i must be honest going back to to one thing is we were recently at a lodge in the low fault with some clients and we had a female guide who was lovely friendly knowledgeable great and we drove past another vehicle and you know we all know how it works oh. and um, they okay. stop they shake hands and one of the guests 
on the other vehicle. South African gentleman, you, you immediately hear the accent. And uh, he looked, didn't greet her, looked at us and said, oh, you have a girl guide. How do you guys feel about that? And I was like, you pompous fucking prick. <laughs> like, how dare you make that comment? She's yeah. sitting in that tree. She got this job because she went through the interview process. She is 100% capable of doing this job. And um, obviously, I didn't say this because we were a vehicle of about eight people uh, with, with our clients. And obviously, you don't want to make a scene in front of clients. But I was raging. I was like, yeah. you cannot. And also, it was a guest on another vehicle. And I was a private guide. So, you know, you the didn't The crazy wanna... thing is, though, that wasn't the only incident. Do you remember when we also, another time, it wasn't we drove past another vehicle. And someone was like, well, you as a female guide. Yeah, what was the question? It had something to do with autonomy, like... Anatomy, yes, yeah, you're... <laughs> that was also now recently with clients. Actually at the same reserve, different time. Yeah. But someone said... And she answered brilliantly. It was so great. She... Her name's Lindy. Mm -hmm. And uh, she answered brilliantly. They passed each other. And they're actually friends. But he asked her, he's like, Lindy, you're a female guide. And she just responded, I'm a guide. And yeah. I was like, that was brilliant. Good and I can't, it was, it was to do with, the the it was, it was to do with anatomy Female, and it, it, was, uh, it was quite a, it was quite an extensive question. So I can't exactly remember how it was, but I remember that comment and she responded brilliantly. Um, thanks. I'm a guide, not a female guy. And that was, that was brilliant yeah. for me. I was just yeah. like, hats off to you. Well done. <laughs> Look guys, I know we went on a bit of a rant there. Um, but I think it's incredibly important for people to hear the stories and, the struggles uh, that women go through in a male-dominated industry. And that's not just the guiding industry as a whole, it's the lodge industry, it's most industries in the world. And I think women deserve as much respect. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, in the, in let's take the guiding industry, for example, if you, you ladies would agree, if you are found not competent in certain things, it's not like they're gonna be like, oh, but she's a woman, let's feel sorry for her. Oh, that's if you, messed up in Exactly, <laughs> if you're competent and you pass all these exams, you pass all these tests, you are on the same level as a man in any industry. Um, so yeah, guys, it wasn't that we just wanted to have this rant. I just think it's important, or we it's as a group think topic. it's important to talk about and um, you know, kind of push equality in most industries. So to move on to a different topic, uh, we ask most of our guests this when they come on the podcast. Uh, we want to hear your funniest story from like working in the industry, working in the bush and your scariest encounter in the bush because i do know that the listeners love these kind of things <laughs> okay let me start with the funniest so the funniest actually happened to me quite early in my guiding career i was still uh, still a you know young guide so what happened was i i was a bit late we had an amazing sighting and i was on my way back with the guests from a game drive and there were only two ways back to the lodge okay and um, so on the on the first path that i took uh we were trapped behind a must ball uh, elephant, so, yeah, yeah an yeah, elephant exactly so the elephant he was quite relaxed he he was chilled with us he was just walking in the middle of the road you could just smell the nice musk coming this was, was like, in the waterberg yes right? exactly yes, 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 exactly yes, yes. so so there were only those two ways because they're mountains so you yeah just got of, those course, two paths. of course so i was behind him and i just thought okay that's gonna take forever because and so i turned around and wanted to set, take the second path but there was a whole elephant herd and for some reason they were really angry so i was still I don't know, like 
many meters away and they started charging. It's like, okay, let's take the, the lesser, um, you know. The lesser of two evils. Exactly. <laughs> so I chose the elephant bull and we were driving behind. As I said, he was really relaxed. So we just had that smell of must the whole time in our faces. He was relaxed. He didn't even look at us. I was just driving very slowly behind him. I started chatting with the guests, you know, to just entertain and make up some time. And um, what happened then, because the smell of the must was so intense, I could just like, my guests already mentioned me as a bit of a sensitive stomach. Uh, so, but as again, I was like chatting with, it was only those two people, the gentleman and the, and the lady. And I was chatting with the lady and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the guest just started vomiting. Oh my he word. just started vomiting yeah. over the edge of the vehicle. And then, and I was just shocked. I was like looking and I was like, you know, like paramedic. What do I do? And I was like, helicopter, what do I do? Ah. Oh, and, but then, so I was, I was like dead serious and tried to deal with the situation. But then the funny thing was that the wife, she started like putting a torch on him and filming him and ah. laughing <laughs> so hard at him. And he just, he just, I was like, and then, and she just like, and just kept on filming him. That's rude. And I just stood there and I could not decide if I should like panic or if I should laugh with her because it was a hilarious situation because <laughs> there was no way that we we're going to get out of this. It was just this or the angry elephant hurt. And um, so, yeah, it was just quite funny. We, we dealt with it and he also laughed about it. I actually have a video of it as well. It's just like to this day, one of my happiest memories. Because he could laugh about it in the, in the after. In the well. And he was, yeah. he was okay. He was okay. He even, while vomiting, he laughed about himself too. Because what a, what a situation. Which is so absurd, oh, you know. Brilliant. So just, I don't oh, know what to do. Yeah, so yeah. the elephant moved off the road eventually. Um, we got home and they invited me for whiskey so we could laugh about all of this. And tell me now... Uh, obviously, that's your most funny moment. Mm. Um, tell me, have you? We obviously, as guides, we all know um, that there are some scary moments out there. Yes. And uh, if you can fill in, like, what was your most intense moment uh, with an animal? Yes. Um, either on foot or in a vehicle, um, and explain a little bit how you or the guide in charge or whoever kind of handle the situation went, yeah so you'd be surprised but you do have a lot of situations even in the vehicle where it becomes really dangerous mm. and i think especially in the beginning a lot of my not knowing protected me a lot yes. because you didn't it, only afterwards you realize how dangerous it actually air, was air on the side of caution right yes mm. so uh but i think the most scariest one was generally considering of what i'm doing here it was actually on a uh, it was on foot on a trails and a primitive wilderness trails where you stay it was a, a particularly long one over eight days wow yeah so it was in, in pafuri in the northern northern kruger you get temperatures of like 45 it's a normal average day temperature there so we were, I think it was the fifth day or something, we were already walking for quite a long time and we decided to do a bit of a rest day, so we're not going to walk a lot uh, that day. So in the morning we left all of our rucksacks behind, uh, we left all of our stuff and we decided to just walk to a nearby cave to just like spend a, little, a couple of hours there. So on our way there we left everything, we were all barefoot, uh, I was carrying the rifle, uh, same as my lead guide, I was a backup guide at that time. And um, he was walking in front, we were all walking there, over sand, it was lovely. We were walking along a river and we could see hippos and crocodiles, lovely. everything, and it was beautiful. So we went to that cave, and obviously it's in rock, you know, so it was nice and cool there. We just slept there and watched the river and birded, and it was awesome. Uh, but around midday, you know, we didn't have eat for, uh, haven't eaten breakfast or anything, so we decided to go back. So as we started walking, you know those first 10 seconds when you walk over the sand it was fine and then your brain clicks on how hot it is because uh -huh, you're barefoot of course yes and it's midday we had nothing it was yeah. midday 45 degrees the sand has already heated up for quite a while oh, wow. so it just started walking it was just like 
Oh, and then like my lead guy, he started running because you know that rule of never run in the bush. No. But he started running wow. towards the next rock because the rock actually were quite still, right, temperature-wise. And there was a tiny rock, and I just squeezed on him there with a tiny rock just to get our feet on the rock. And we were both holding the rifles, get gesturing to the guests to not come, and we were just squeezing on there. I already started crying because it was so painful. It was one of oh, the most wow. painful things I've what ever. What time of the year was this? Oh, let me think. That was yeah, it was. October. Okay, so starting to get yes, hot. Yes, yes. It was not even hot. high, but it was. Yeah, tr yeah. Trust me, the sand was painful. Oh, sand, and we knew the whole the whole way back of like half an hour, forty minutes would have been in the sand. So we just we said, okay, we can't do this. We can't walk in the sand. It's not an option anymore. No. It's just too painful. So okay, we m had to go through the river. And as I mentioned, on no way there already. We realized it's pested with crocodiles, hippos everywhere. And this is just where I really put all of my trust in my lead guide and trusting yeah. that he knows what he's doing. So he maneuvered us through the shallow water because the crocodiles prefer the deeper waters where yeah. they can sink down. So you, you could see the, like, but we maneuvered through there. But while I was holding the rifle, the rifle also gets really hot as well. So we had the guests behind us, I was holding the rifle and we were walking. I just like, you know, when you get trained, you, you prepare to shoot a lion, to shoot a hippo, you know, always as a last resort, obviously. Yeah. But you are mentally prepared for that. But that moment where I realized I don't know where to shoot a crocodile. Do yeah. I shoot a crocodile? What happens? You know, this is just all of those questions while you're walking and you just see crocodiles everywhere, like a bit further away. And this was just a very, very tense moment where I think all of our trust was on the lead guy. To just give you an idea sometimes when you do carry the responsibility of it's literally lives that are depending on you. So we walked back through the river and in the end everything was fine. We didn't have a situation, nothing. But while I was walking through those crocodile rivers, it was just a, well, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna tell this my mom. She's gonna freak yeah, out. Yeah, no, I'm I mean, that's, that's, out. I mean, they're, they're, they're an incredibly opportunistic predator, as you would know, and, um, you and know, they see us as prey. Absolutely, so they don't see like, you as a threat, like no, everything else. They would know. not hesitate if they yeah. get the opportunity. Um, so yeah, hats off to your guide, to the, to the guide for getting that right. I don't know, I, I, honestly, in my opinion, I don't know if I would have made that call. I, do, I honestly don't know, uh, but obviously you said there was no other option. It's so just, yeah. that, that's, that's, that's an incredibly d difficult decision to make, but I mean, hats off to him um, for making that call and maneuvering so well. Because I yes. mean, it can go wrong yeah. in the drop of a hat. Horribly, yeah. Wow, no, very, Incredible. very cool story. Uh, thanks for sharing. And thanks for being on the podcast with Before us. Before we Thank sign so off, yeah? I want to ask you one thing. Um, where can everyone find you? Yes. Like, oh. oh, well, I'm most... Because they need to find you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, I'm most active on Instagram. So just my whole name, Carolina, just like our Carolina. Carolina Lasse, L-A-S-S-E. I'll tag it in the description as well. Yes, yes. Yeah, we'll so this you. is where I'm most active. I also upload a couple of things on TikTok. But yeah, you will mainly find me on Instagram. Fantastic. Wonderful. And I saw you answer the question the other day uh, on your Instagram, but you can answer it here as well. If anyone wants to be guided by you, how can they be guided by you? That's no problem. So I'm currently only working for my lodge, which is King's Camp in Timbavati. Yeah. This is where I work. If you want to, you can book a stay there and you can uh, just request me as your guide. I hope in future it will be easier to be guided by me, but for now this is what we're working with. Well, I, I awesome. suppose if I ever send my guests there as well, I might, uh, our Wildest Kruger Safari guests, I might oh, as well that would be awesome. send, you, send them awesome. your way. Because of course we're going to request you. Definitely, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I just need to send them a little bit of an Instagram intro. Yeah. And I'm sure they'll just fall in love with you. And, and they will like know what so to say key. and what not to there say. There you go. <laughs> they'll learn. It's basically a little, a little guide to being guided by Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> 
Alright guys, thank you so much for coming on, uh, Carolina. I really appreciate your time and putting in all the efforts to come be on with us and join us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Have a good right, time. Good. It's a pleasure. Guys, until next time, um, we'll see you soon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.